Hey friends, it's class number six. Uh, good to be with you. And we want to cover the second half of Romans chapter three today. Uh, last class was uh, a brief overview and I want to kind of drill down on a couple subjects, uh, namely righteousness and justification. Um, out of the gate, I just want to say thank you for your essays and your quiz. Um, I think one of the questions kind of uh, maybe was hard to understand in regards to the anatomy of repentance. So what I was kind of looking for um, was really the words that are in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, um, those, those in verse 10 through 13, I believe they are, um, <clears throat> how godly sorrow creates repentance, <clears throat> repentance creates the clearing of yourselves, the vehement desire, the, um, you know, there, I think there's like six or seven words that uh, were mentioned there that talk about not only the, re the repentance of sin, but the recovery of sin. So I apologize if I wasn't clear with that. Uh, I marked a couple points off for some of you, but um, so the anatomy, really my point was, and maybe that's something that'll be on the final, um, it's not only the action of sin, but the recovery, how we get up. And, um, and I, maybe I'll just say that as a, as a sign of maturity, the quicker that we get up and agree with God is really a sign of our maturity or how we're growing. You know, somebody might say, oh, I'm still sinning. Uh, am I really growing with God? Well, obviously we're sinners and hopefully we're sinning less and less, but it's our recovery, it's our response uh, that matters. And the more we uh, come under the authority of God walking in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And uh, our recovery is what makes uh, an indicator for our maturity. All right. Well, Lord, bless our class tonight. Thank you for our students. It's uh, really amazing, the students, Lord, that are in this class and we ask that you bless them encourage them and speak to them in jesus name amen um so next week the plan is that i would be live um i know it's kind of challenging maybe to look at a video so um thank you for your concentration um the end of this class the the discussion is really valuable and I know Pastor Carl's in Miami today, so I hope there will be some sort of discussion after this class, Brian, or uh, whatever you decide, just somebody that can take some notes and highlight the high points or the main points, and then certainly um, talk about them, okay? All right, so let's, uh, let's get into Romans chapter 3. And uh, so we have kind of... Uh, just by review, let's let's review here real quick. Um, we're seeing the the need for a savior. So we introduce this word depravity, which means I see that my need for God is is absolute that we cannot earn or um, somehow merit our way to God to satisfy the demand of justice, which means someone must pay. The price for sin and our depravity is a word that shows our need for God, our hopelessness, our helplessness without a savior. So 
in Romans chapter 3, 10 through 11, we definitely see the need for a Savior, and also in verse 12 and 23, okay? Uh, so if someone ever says to you, oh, you know, you, you talk to them on the street, and you talk about the Lord, and they're like, oh, I'm good. You know, I'm all, I'm all set. I'm always amazed at that. Like, what does that even mean, I'm good? Uh, no, there's none righteous, no, not one. We read that in 323. All is sin and comes short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death in 623 of Romans. And so it's really a deflective statement that if you can creatively ask them, hey, what does that mean? Why are you saying that? And um, again, we we don't want to be we don't want to be out of the gate aggressive, but we do want to lightly challenge that way of thinking because that person is lying to themselves and they're lying to you. And uh, that's one of Satan's greatest um, tools is, hey, you're okay. You're not like that murderer that you see on the news. You're not like that, um, you know, that uh, uh, whatever, that, that, uh, overt example of 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 sin you know well actually sin is sin different sin have consequences but all sin is still sin it's missing the mark it's missing god's heart of holiness so how do we you know again just we can be gracious and say hey you know uh what do you mean by that? Like, again, this is an important point as we talk about justification and righteousness. Like, everyone has their own intrinsic dictionary, which means people define terms based on their own condition or the gathering of information that they have gathered. So when you present the Bible, it's it's objective and it's absolute. And oftentimes it's it's a uh, it's, it's very different than what the person is saying. So again, we want to be gracious, but we do want to make them accountable. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, soul winning is not saving or persuading people. It is presenting the gospel and the Holy Spirit is the one who changes the heart, changes the mind, changes the will. So we present a great big Christ and we glory in him. And then the goodness of God changes them. Another good verse is Jeremiah 31, 18. 31, 18 of Jeremiah. We are turned by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in Romans 15, 18, we are sanctified by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so uh, I don't want to spend too much time, but maybe just to kind of say that sanctification is really the it, there's positional sanctification where we are made righteous at the moment we respond to Christ. There's progressive sanctification where we make we're responding to God and we are experiencing God in our daily life. Okay, so and then there's glorification where one day we will experience God face to face. So uh, Romans eight. 29 is a good verse for that. But but think about the Christian life like this. Let's say we're on a body of water and we're in a sailboat and it's a beautiful day. How does that sailboat move? 
it moves by raising the sail and the wind, the north wind or whatever wind comes in and it captures, it's captured in the sail. And then the boat is moving based on the power of the wind. Pretty easy illustration, but this is the Christian life. Uh, it's not willpower and it's not me trying to live the Christian life based on my own strength. It is raising my sail and having the work and ministry of the spirit take my sail or capture it and then move the boat and it becomes a work of God. So when you start to look at the Christian life this way, it is not about willpower or me trying to uh, live this Christian life on my own energies. Like I think of Philippian, uh, Philippians 2, 12 and 13, where it talks about working out your salvation. It's a very important verse that you work out your fear, you work out your salvation in fear and trembling. And then verse 13, we understand that you work it out through the energy of Christ, which is to will and do of his good pleasure. So when we think about sanctification, it's again, we are yielding to God. We're saying, yes, Lord, we are yielding to your way. You are righteous. We are letting him uh, do the work in us and through us. And then we are presenting ourselves saying, Lord, here I am. Here's my sail. Let the wind come and move me in the ministry of the spirit. So, so again, we're responding to his initiations, we're responding to life, we're responding to his choosing life. Like, for instance, you, respond, you responded to came to Bible school tonight. You responded and you opened your Bible and you read the, you're reading the greatest love letter. You are letting, uh, you're letting God um, uh, and, and agreeing with God in the ministry that he has to you. Another good illustration we could say is being a reflector. Now the reflector is a plastic piece, but when light hits the prism of that reflector, it magnifies the light and it illuminates that reflector. This is really the Christian life as well. Again, it's we are standing there available, willing, prepared, and then the light of God, the light of the word, the light of his promises hit our life. And all of a sudden we are shining and magnifying him. So when we think about sanctification, we think salvation happens in a moment. Salvation is something permanent. These are verses that really each student should have at least five or six verses memorized like we could say that salvation is of God, Jonah 2.9. It's something permanent in John 10.28-29. It's something that cannot be taken from us in Romans 8.37-39. Its center is Christ, Acts 4.12. Uh, we are sealed, therefore it's permanent. We cannot leave this work in Ephesians 1.13. These are a few verses to answer the question, that we can never lose our salvation. Why? Because it's a work of God. Now, one person said it like this, is that um, our Christian life is, it's like Christmas. We get all these gifts, right? At Christmas, there you are. 
and you get all these gifts, but you spend the rest of your Christian life opening these gifts, okay? Unlike Christmas where everyone opens their gifts and there's paper everywhere and there's, you know, I love watching my son on Christmas. It's like overwhelming, you know, but in the Christian life, when we respond to Jesus, John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, we respond to this free gift in Romans 6, 23, and in Romans 10, 9 and 10, we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart and we are saved. We are uh, agreeing with the work of God. So we get this gift, which is 95 things that happen at salvation. I believe it's 66 positional, uh, is it either 66 positional and 27 experiential. It could be the other way around, but 95 things that we uh, experience at salvation and something that does a permanent work in us. So when we look at the book of Romans, it's really the basic building blocks of, of what Christ has done. So salvation, sanctification, we're becoming more like Christ. We're looking like Christ. We're, uh, we're being conformed to his image. We're being refined through problems and trials where we are driven to him. We are learning to seek him. We're hungering for him. These is all works of the spirit. Uh, in Psalm 42, we are desiring him. And these are things that the Holy Spirit produces, right? Remember that lifting your sail and the wind, the ministry, the action of God hits that sail. And then all of a sudden, the consequence is the Lord's. So when we think about righteousness, uh, and I want to kind of make some points about that tonight. Um, so Romans 10, 3 maybe is, uh, and by the way, this class, we're focusing on Romans 3, 21 through 31, okay? And let's just, maybe I'll start there. So Romans chapter 3, 21 through 31. Now, verse 21, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law of the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. To all those who believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace, and we're going to talk about that, righteousness and justification through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at this present time his righteousness. Okay. Jeremiah 23, 9. We are defined in his righteousness. He is our righteousness. Okay. That he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Okay. All this, all this heavy lifting this first step is made by christ okay let's look at romans 10. so um i think what's important to say out of the gate is what i'm feeding is what will grow so when we think of the righteousness of god or the rightness of god um we are understanding um that it's really a work of god that we are responding to we're not creating it we're not making it happen, but we're in a place of thanksgiving. We're in a place of agreement. 
we're in a place of worship. We're in a place of submission saying, Lord, I come under the authority of what you say, what you have done. And then what happens? Like that reflector, it begins to magnify in my life and project the light that's shown. Okay. So that's very valuable. So this word righteous is a Greek word, D-I-K-A-I-O-S, dikaios, okay? And it means to be upright, okay? Now, it's applied to God, as we just read here in Romans 3.26, okay? It's applied to God, and it's referring to the entire Old Testament that the law was written uh, and expounded on and was a, uh, a system of relationship that God would, uh, or I should say a system of rituals that appeased God uh, before his son uh, became the ultimate sacrifice in Hebrews 10.10, 10. okay? When it's applied to Jesus Christ, this is 2 Timothy 4.8, let's look at that together, the uprightness of God. So, you know, you may have people in your life looking at you and they may say this statement like, oh, you call yourself a Christian, so why are you doing this, this, and this, okay? Well, that is the testimony that we have as we grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, that's the greatest verse for sanctification is 2 Peter 3.18. In growing in grace, we produce the action of grace, or Christ's action of grace is produced in us. Maybe it's a better way of saying that. So if I eat a sandwich, then the energy in the process of my body and digestion will produce energy. It's the same principle here. As I get to know who God is, I get to know who I am, and I live in the effects of who God is, and I live in the ministry of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. We have to remove ourselves as the starting point. It has to be Christ. Christ, you produce the action. You produce the desire. You produce the hunger. What do I do? I raise my sail. I raise my heart. I raise my attention and focus on the things of God like you're doing tonight. Well, 2 Timothy 2, 4, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 4. Okay, so righteousness, speaking of God, is the ultimate righteousness. Jesus Christ here, 4, 8, is saying this. Um, Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to all those who love his appearing. So that's John 5, 22. Christ will be the one that initiates judgment in the tribulation. So he's our righteous judge. And then it's applied to men. The just shall live by faith, or the righteous here in Romans 1, 17. So let's look at Galatians 3.11 for a minute. So someone might say, you know, we might look in the mirror and say, oh, there are all these flaws or all these things that we don't like about ourselves. Well, that's the natural mirror. And oftentimes people look at righteousness from their point of view, okay? And I'm going to read Romans 10 in a minute, but what happens is, we begin to interpret the righteousness of God based on my performance or based on my condition. And that's not what, 
that's not the right objective way to understand righteousness. So Galatians, uh, Galatians chapter three, verse 11. And this is, this is, this is why the gospel is good news is because it all rests on Christ. And our response to that is by faith. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I am, my sail is up to catch the wind. I am ready. I am responding. I am waiting. I am looking. I am anticipating. So 3.11, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith. Okay, there is. The just shall live by faith. Again, that's Romans 1.17 uh, as well. So uh, we see this in Romans 2.13. Uh, we see this in Titus 1.8. And we also see this in 1 Timothy 1.9. Okay. So when applied to men, Paul's speaking of people who have faith in Christ, uh, but again, they are righteous. And sometimes this word is looked at as, as to justify, but but really there's a distinction, okay? And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But God has made them righteous. They have, He's accredited his person on us. So today when God looks at you, he sees Christ, okay? Because he can't look at sin in Habakkuk 1.13, right? You can't do that. So the blood of Christ, you and I are covered by the blood of Christ, uh, and we are washed and made new. And a good verse for that is Ephesians 5.26, really speaking about relationships and how we are washed in the water of the word. We are without spot. We are blameless because Christ is our covering. Okay. So again, we're describing righteousness or rightness uh, in Romans 7.12. And the fruit of the Spirit is also looked at as God's righteousness in action. Okay, so let's look at that. Philippians, let's look at Philippians 1.7 for a minute. So again, righteousness is looking at Christ and we are, we look at Christ first and then we look at ourselves. If we do it the other way around, we will enter into some sort of legalism. We'll put false standards on our life. We will be hard on ourselves. But if we look at Christ first, and that image that's reflected will now define who we are in his righteousness. All right. Don't let me forget here. We're going to look at Romans 10.3. I don't want us to forget that verse because that's very important to what I want to look at. But, but let, let's look at Philippians for a minute. I think somebody took it out of my Bible here. Ephesians, Philippians. Okay. All right. I'm working with another Bible tonight. So, all right. So Philippians, I want to look at this um, 1, 7. Okay. All right. It says, Just as it's right for me to think of you all, because I have you in my heart, insomuch as both in my chains and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers with me in this grace. So he is thinking righteously about them, uh, 
Philippians 4.8. Again, we see the characteristic of righteousness. Let's look at that. Again, don't look at yourself based on performance. Now, people might say, I don't read my Bible enough, or I should do more evangelism, or I should um, really forgive my neighbor. Like these, this is true, but it, it all depends on your approach. Like the word should is such a pressure word. Somehow I have to muster up the strength um, to do what I need to do to please God. Well, God is already pleased in Christ. So if my focus is in Christ, if my meditation is in Christ, if my thanksgiving and my worship is in Christ, he will produce the action to read my Bible. He will produce the desire to soul win. He will produce the desire to forgive my enemy. It has to start with the righteousness of God, okay? So Philippians 4.8, a good list here, whatsoever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue, anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. This is really the greatest explanation of righteousness. All these things encapsulate righteousness. Okay, look at Romans 10.3 for a minute. Now, some people might say, oh, you got to be practical. Like, look at that sinner over there. He just, he's living in sin. Um, Is he righteous? Yes, he's righteous in his position. Righteous lot. He went to Sodom and Gomorrah and and was vexed in his spirit every day. The, The writer says he was righteous lot. Was he living righteously? No, he wasn't. But God looked at him in his position. God projected or bestowed righteousness on him. Abraham, right? It counted unto him as righteousness because he believed the promise more than believing the evidence. If I'm just if I'm just sight-oriented, I will lose the promise. One writer says like this, he says, don't question in the darkness what God has promised you in the light. Don't question it because God is working, God is ministering. So let's say we look at a sinner and say, oh, look at that guy over there. And um, all of a sudden we become a judge, by the way. Romans 14, four, we don't judge another man's servant because he'll stand or fall before God and stand, he will. But I'm saying that we don't encourage people to live like a lasciviousness or an uncontrolled lifestyle that's based in lust. But the point is, the righteousness of God will change my appetite so that we're not sinless, but we will sin less. We're not sinless, but we will sin less. So so if I'm trying not to sin, the strength of sin is in the law. So most likely I will sin greater and greater. But if my focus is more on who God is and his righteousness, then the appetite for sin, the time for sin, the the uh, the opportunity for sin will be less and less. Why? Because our heart is so in love with what God has done. Look at this in Romans 10.3. This is a tragic verse, and I think it makes sense why, maybe why people struggle with understanding this. But 10.3, uh, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Okay, those are the words. Ignorance. They are not educated. They're not spending the time focusing on what Christ has done. They are not aware of the amazing work of righteousness where Christ 
Christ came after us while we were sinning, Christ died for us. He ransomed us. He rescued us. He redeemed us, right? So they're ignorant of that righteousness. So in seeking to establish their own righteousness, they've and they have not submitted to the righteousness of God. So they've missed the boat, okay? Not only have they missed the boat, now they're creating their own boat. They're creating their own religion. They're creating their own set of standards. And what happens? It's because they haven't submitted to the righteousness of God, what Christ has done, what Christ has made right, what Christ has perfected, okay? For Christ, okay, and, that, and they have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So there is an amazing point here to believe in what Christ has said, to believe in what Christ has done. That means to trust it, to rely on it, to have it be something in your life that is valuable. That's why you're in that's why you're in class tonight. That's why you go to service and that's why you love your neighbor. That's why you minister the spirit. That's why you open your Bible. That's why you talk to God. All these things are actions of righteousness, okay? But if I try to establish this on my own and say I'm not a sinner, I don't sin, or I compare myself with other people and say I'm better, God's like you're not submitting to my righteousness. You're not coming under this place where you could never produce perfection that was needed to please God. But instead, we say, Lord, I am second. Uh, I come under the authority of what you've done. I submit myself. And like we said before, hupatasso, we come under the authority of something else. And the, uh, the, the authority and power of that one thing now dominates me. And we live in the power of that. So what are you submitting to in your life, right? Ephesians 5.21 says that we should be submitted one to another in fear, right? So that means I'm listening to my brother. We're listening to each other. We're listening to the person that's coming with a word and content. We're, we're actively seeking a word from God and then saying, Lord, I believe it. I don't experience it. I don't feel it. Feel it. I don't understand it, but I believe it. And, and we yield and come under that authority. And all of a sudden, the authority of that rains down on us and gives us authority and power in our personal life. It's really amazing. So uh, this is important, the rightness of God. So we can always find ourselves uh, making our own righteousness when we justify ourselves. We can. All, a good example is trying to uh, be right all the time. Well, we have to be careful of that because we could be very wrong. What we, you know, man in his own eyes is right. But when you put man next to an, an absolute objective source like the Bible, uh, we could be very wrong, actually. So, again, we see that man in his own eyes is right. But according to God, he could be very wrong. So we want to find an absolute resource and this is what righteousness is all about in the in the millennium righteousness will reign a thousand years satan will be bound and there'll be reigning righteousness it says the knowledge of god will be like the waters uh will be on the like the face of all the waters it'll be so pronounced and so um exact and so orderly it'll be amazing okay so righteousness is important so 
this word dikaios, D-I-K-A-I-O-S, is very powerful because we can say, for instance, okay, what's God's mind on something, okay? We study God's mind, and it helps us to decide morally what to do, okay? What's God's mind about stealing? What's God's mind about fornication? What's God's mind about um, sowing discord, okay? We learn his mind that those things are destructive. They war against our soul. And then what we, we believe what's said, and then it helps us make decisions morally so that we have a right, we have righteous judgment, right? We have righteous judgment. What is righteous judgment? It's decisions made based on the righteousness of God. Uh, we're lacking that incredibly in the world that we're living in. You know, people are basing things based on feelings, culture, based on um, their own understanding, emotions, um, an eclectic gospel. I shouldn't even say gospel, an eclectic word um, and personal interpretation. These are all unrighteousness. There's another verse that talks about holding the word of God in unrighteousness. So again, righteous is God, unrighteous is me. So holding the word of God in unrighteousness means I am interpreting the Bible based on me, based on my feelings, based on my culture, based on preference. That is holding the word of God in unrighteousness. And that's very dangerous because we will miss God, we'll miss the, the work of God if we do that. So we want to hold the word of God in righteousness. Okay, this is God's mind. God's heart and God's truth. Okay, so I want to let's turn back to Romans three for a minute. So let's look at. Um, so we just covered three twenty three. Let's look at verse um, twenty four. Being justified freely by His grace. That is a most incredible sentence. Justified freely by his grace. It literally gives the impression that the need is, is let's say the need is, uh, numerically, the need is five. We need five gallons of something. Okay, that's the need. But we're justified freely, which means God gives us a thousand. God gives us an overabundance of what we need because of his grace. So, so let's define what... Um, uh, what justification is, or to justify. So the word is dikeo. It's similar. It's D-I-K-A-I-O-O. And it means to justify, or to acquit, or to vindicate. Okay? And you can kind of see uh, exactly uh, the difference and the similarities, of course. But God justifies those who believe in him. Romans 2.13. So when you and I believe, that's salvation. Uh, we are made righteous. We're declared righteous because of the work of God. And he regenerates our hearts in Romans 2.13. Justification. Okay? God justifies to be the judge of, the, of his words. That means God said it, therefore he will be the person to implement it in Romans chapter 3 verse 4. Uh, good works do not meet God's standards of righteousness, okay? We just read that, 320. Nothing I could produce. I think of Cain and Abel. 
why was Cain's offering rejected? Because it was the work of his hands. Why was Abel's offering accepted? Because it was a work, it was a lamb. It was a picture of Christ. So this doesn't mean that we are doing nothing or sitting on the couch eating potato chips all the time, but no, it means that we're motivated from the right source so that our ministry is to God first and then to others. We're looking at God first and then the work. God first and then the need. God first and then ourselves. So our standards, God's standard of righteousness is perfection and only Jesus did that. Okay. God justifies or vindicates or acquits like an acquittal, like in a, like in a court when someone is guilty and there's a defendant and there's a, there's a jury and everyone's trying to prove beyond a reasonable doubt what the truth is. They are acquitted or they are vindicated or which means they are set free. They are no longer guilty. They are no longer uh, in the penalty box. They are a free man, a free woman. This is what the word justification means. Okay, Romans 3, 24, 26, 28, and 30. So let's read those. Uh, where is the boasting in? Verse 27. It is excluded by what law of works? No, by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Okay. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there's one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and this uncircumcised through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law, okay? Which means we understand the value of the law and it's a good order, uh, it's a good code, but who was the one that fulfilled the law? It was Jesus Christ. So. It's important to understand here that we were without hope. We were without um, really a way to God, except unless Jesus Christ came. And thanks, thank God he did. Okay. So, <clears throat> so again, this word is to be understood in the context of the court of law, like I just said. So we're looking at this, that we were guilty. We had, we were without hope. We were destined to hell. We were destined for destruction and god stood up in our place as the propitiation we just read that earlier he was the propitiation uh here god sent forth in verse 25 god set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness okay because his forbearance god passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness and that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So these are some these are some positional truths that we must really get a hold of because um, if our faith is not focused on the work of Jesus Christ, then it's another gospel. It's my gospel. So again, justification, God, uh, sent his son to appease or to uh, meet the demands of judgment, okay? And so that you and I could go free. He's freely loving us today. He's freely, we are free to enter his presence today. As a sinner, we can stand in the presence of a holy God. He is free to give us grace today, free to give us mercy. He's free to correct us like a, 
like a loving father corrects his son. We have access to God in Romans 5, 2, and we stand in this grace because we are justified, made righteous, made holy, made free, made perfect in him. I don't know about you. If this doesn't like get you excited, then then uh, maybe someone needs to tackle you and wake you up or something. I, I know with me, it's like they, these are things we may hear a lot about, but may the revelation of God show us today that you are righteous. You are, you are free from the law. You are no longer a captive. You are free in Christ, freedom in Christ. Okay, so again, um, <clears throat> Uh, it's it speaks of vindication, justification. Okay, Romans four twenty five. We've we've read this verse. We let's read that Romans four twenty five. We're going to cover this next class a little bit more. But who it was delivered us up because of our offenses, and was raised because of our justification. So, not only did God pay for our sins, He was raised to make us like Him in this present world. So the more we are growing in progressive sanctification and conforming to his image, the more we're going to understand this is a perfect work of grace. Okay. Romans 5.18, again, he provides righteousness and gives the account to each person that responds in faith. Again, God is saying, I have given you this for you to experience. <clears throat> now I see, I hear this a lot. I see this a lot where uh, sometimes people, uh, they know a lot, but they don't experience a lot. Well, you and I will experience God as we respond to him, as we trust him, as we learn from him, as we agree with him, as we submit to him. Again, it's not us as the originator. It's us as the recipient. It's us responding and saying, yes, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And we are justified. We are made righteous. <clears throat> okay. So uh, we could say, uh, maybe I'm reading something here that's valuable. Paul uses righteousness in reference to the character of the person who meets God's standard of behavior. Okay. Okay. Justification is the verdict of judgment that God makes after righteousness has been determined. Okay, so it's two different things. Righteousness, he declares us righteous because of Christ. And then he also is pleased with the work of Christ. Therefore, he sets us free from any obligation or any, as Colossians writes it in Colossians chapter 2, any ordinance that was against us, any handwriting, anything that was against us that would disqualify us, that would eliminate us. God says, you are vindicated. My son stands in your place. Uh, pro propitiation, he stands in our place. He atones, which means he gives his own blood instead of you giving your own blood. And that blood was perfect, sinless, without spot. As a, in 1 Peter 2, 20, I believe it is, that it did not come from anything corruptible. And it makes us righteous in Christ. So these are some important things as, um, again, we are growing in this understanding. We are growing in this knowledge. Now, last class, I said that justification is not based uh, on 
uh, on, on us producing anything. Uh, it's not on my compatibility. It's not me producing or being good enough or being, you know, keeping the commandments in my own strength. But no, it's based on the finished work. Okay, we keep saying this, but I think it bears repeating that Paul is saying to the new believers here, listen, you have to get you as the source out of the center and put Christ there, learning, walking in Christ. So again, it's that, that sailboat sails up and it's the wind. We're harnessing that wind. We're harnessing the spirit. We're ha harnessing truth. Again, number two, justification is not based on performance, but it's based on what's already been done. Okay. And then thirdly, thirdly, we see that justification is an expectation now to receive and participate in what's been prepared for us. So it's an expectation. I have not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man those things that are prepared for them that love him. Like there's expectation. Okay, God, what are you going to do in this worship service? What are you going to do on the streets? What are you going to do in this prayer meeting? What are you going to do in this relationship? What are you going to do? My expectation is in you. Okay. We're not changing things according to our own way, but we're expecting God to do something perfectly uh, his way. Okay. All right. We're just going to close here now. Uh, again, very, very important. Romans chapter 10, verse 3. Uh, one of the most important verses that I could say is uh, definitely, and, and this is your meditation, definitely um, study what God's righteousness is and then come under that authority and say, Lord, I am submitting to that and I'm not going to establish my own righteousness. And people try to do that in relationships like they want to be right. They want to have their own way. They want things to change based on them. Well, may, love is very messy, okay? God wants us to win the heart, not just win the argument. What is the real value here? What am I fighting for, my way? Or is it a ministry to that person? Let's say something has uh, is like under your skin. <clears throat> you know, we have to put our ego aside and say, you know what? I, I am wrong, God, you are right. Therefore, I want to speak from your righteousness. I want to, this is what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is releasing that person from the offense that they have done. Justification, justification, forgiveness, very similar. I am justified, therefore I'm able to be forgiven. If I realize, if you realize how much we've been forgiven by God, it'll be It'll be more of an understanding how to release people from their offenses against you. Let things go. Let people's offenses go. Don't be manipulated by people's carnality, people's ignorance, people's uh, demonic uh, confession. Like, like be like that luggage piece that has no handles. Let it go and let God be your focus and let God be our focus. Amen. Well, Father, bless these thoughts today. We commit them to you. Bless, uh, Lord, help us to understand we're saved by grace and grace alone. Uh, I think of another good verse, um, Romans 8. Uh, we, we are thinking that where there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, right? 
we are saved by grace through faith. It's not a work of, of us that we could boast. Thank you, Lord. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, thank you, Lord. That's another salvation verse. We are now sanctified as we respond to you and walk in faith. We are now uh, made righteous. You declare us righteous and you've justified us. We are, we are free. We are no longer prisoners. We are God's free man. Thank you, Lord. Bless these thoughts in Jesus' name. Amen.